Hello, everyone, and welcome to the KASB The Advocate podcast for September 15th, 2022. I'm joined today by my colleagues, Scott Rothschild and John Forer. Today, we're going to review a new KASB report entitled The Myths About School Choice. School choice, and I kind of use that name, that word advisedly, and I put, I put air quotes around that whenever I use that phrase, school choice, is an issue that comes up every year in the Kansas legislature, and we expect it to come up again in the session that starts in January of 2023. And the, uh, the mechanism for school choice, in air quotes, usually comes in the form of education savings accounts or ESAs, and sometimes we also call those vouchers. Um, Education savings accounts would allow children who receive free or reduced price lunch or who are considered at risk in some other ways to qualify for the education savings account program. Each student or their parent, that account would receive a stipend up to the amount of the student's base aid per pupil, which would be placed into an account that would be managed by the Kansas State Treasurer and the parent or the guardian could use that funding for a variety of education-related expenses, including private school tuition. Now, KASB, as you may know, opposes so-called school choice programs because those programs divert public funding to schools which are not required to serve disadvantaged and disabled students with the greatest need. And as you may know, public schools do serve all students. Private schools do not have to. We're going to analyze one by one the key takeaways of the myths about school choice. One of the myths about school choice is is that with base state aid, a student could take that aid and go to a private school. But in fact, even with access to an education savings account, many families would still have to pay out of pocket to send their children to a private school. Most of the students who would gain choice under an education savings account would be those from more economically affluent households. For instance, the average cost of tuition at an accredited private high school in Kansas is about mm, just over $9,000 a year. Tuition does not include application or registration fees to attend the school, and those fees can range from several hundred dollars to over $1,500, depending on the school. For the 22 and 23 school year, the base state aid per pupil was approved at $4,846. So that's just over half of the cost of an accredited private high school tuition. So even with financial assistance, many families would still have to pay out of pocket to afford the tuition and fees associated with private school. Scott, could you talk about another key takeaway of the report? Yeah, thank you, Leah. Um, Another key takeaway, and it may be obvious to most folks, but Unlike public schools, private schools do not have to accept all students. So if a student is struggling in their public school, they can be denied admission to a private high school. Accredited private high schools can set academic restrictions uh, for uh, acceptance and they can expel struggling students. Several private high schools explicitly state in their handbooks that students must have a specified grade point average or be in good standing and be on track to graduate to be admitted to their school. What our report shows is that certain at-risk students hoping to attend their local private school could be denied admission. 
furthermore, several private high schools state in their handbooks that students who remain on academic probation for two consecutive semesters will not be permitted to re-enroll, so they would end up in a public school. Private schools can set minimum academic standards for admission, continued enrollment, with, with, and that will naturally score higher on tests and assessments. Uh, there are other takeaways in this report. John, will you take over one that, uh, that deals with how private schools and public schools do on state assessments? One of the other common narratives that we hear about private schools is that they outperform public schools on state assessments. However, the report found that in many cities across Kansas, free and reduced lunch students in public schools have performed as well, if not better, than their private school counterparts at least once over the last five years. Uh, for example, in 2021, public high schools performed better than accredited private high schools in four of ten cities or metropolitan areas, including Topeka, Kansas City, Atchison, and Beloit, based off the number or based off the percentage of free and reduced lunch students at levels three and four on the math state assessment. If you go a little bit farther back and look at state assessment scores since 2017, public schools have performed as well, if not slightly better than private schools, at least once in seven of the 10 cities on the same measure. Uh, likewise, looking at English uh, state assessment scores, in 2021, public high schools performed better than accredited private high schools in four of 10 cities or metropolitan areas, including Topeka, Kansas City, Atchison, and Pittsburgh, based on the percentage of free or reduced lunch students at levels three and four on the English language arts state assessment. If you go back to 2017, public schools have performed as well, if not slightly better than in private schools, at least once in seven of 10 cities on the same measure. So let's talk a, bit, a little bit about the implications of this report. Scott, you and I have um, been around the state house for several years now, and John joined us last year, and we're super glad that he's with us. Can you let's talk a little bit about some of the context around this? What, why have we historically seen these pushes around school choice? What's really driving that? Who are some of the groups? And we don't necessarily have to say their name, but what what's some of the um, the motivation behind the continued push for school choice? And again, I use air quotes when I say school choice in the in the state legislature. I'm not. I'm not positive about the motivation, but I can tell you that, uh, and, and you know this, of course, that the, the people who support these bills and who uh, come testify in favor of these bills are those who have opposed public increases in public school funding over the years. So these are groups that support taking public tax dollars and putting them into the coffers of private schools. And uh, conversely, uh, they have been before the legislature uh, many, many times uh, testifying against the things that public schools uh, uh, need and want. Uh, they have been opposed to the increased uh, finances that public schools have received under the Gannon mm -hmm. uh, legal settlement, and so things like that. So I'm not going to ascribe their uh, you know, motivations to what they do, but these are people who uh, definitely... Uh, these are organizations that definitely work against the interests of public schools and are very quick to, I would say, cherry-pick statistics to make public schools uh, look bad. At least that's what I have observed over uh, the past few years that these bills have uh, come into, uh, into, the, into the session. Well, and I think, I think also that, you know, the, the common... Um, 
arguments they make for these bills is that, you know, there are uh, definitely students in public schools who are not doing well, and uh, they could take these students and put them in private settings, and they would do better. But I think what this, this research shows is that is not necessarily the case. And in fact, there are children, there are students in private schools who do not do well, they cannot stay in those schools, and then they become the responsibility of the public school. So again, I think there's an unfairness inherent in these education savings accounts. Uh, I think it leads to creating sort of a two-tier uh, education system, and I'm, I'm just not sure that that's in the best interest of our state. And I will add, when looking at pro our proponents for ESAs, uh, looking at the performance of students in public schools versus private schools, uh, a lot of times they like to look at the overall all-student populations when mm -hmm. they're comparing. Right. Um, and so this report does something a little bit different. Uh, ESAs, as they are written in law, or not written into law, but as they were drafted last year, would give students who were specifically either who qualified for fair reduced lunch or were considered at risk were, would be the only ones to qualify for those ESAs. That's an important point. I mean, I think it's when you, when you compare school districts or when you compare private to public, it's important to look at the student population. Uh, you know, if you, if you have a, a Kansas City, Kansas school district, which has very, very high poverty rates, uh, and compare it to a private school where there's almost no poverty, I don't think that's a fair comparison. But when you do, as this report does, compare uh, similar uh, amounts of free and reduced uh, in the public and the private schools, they come out pretty even. And I think that's an important point to make when, when we discuss these issues. Okay, well, this has been a great conversation today with John Forer and Scott Rothschild. Um, the report is available on the KASB website, www.kasb.org. And again, it's called The Myths About School Choice. And again, a reminder, we are almost certain that education savings accounts or vouchers or school choice will be introduced in the 2023 legislative session that begins on January 9th. So be sure to stay abreast of what's going on with KASB through Facebook, Twitter, and on our website. And I want to thank our producer, Alec Madrigal, for uh, keeping us in line here and, and uh, keeping us on task. And we will look forward to talking at you all again in a couple of weeks. Thanks, everybody. Running a school district is more work than most people realize. From leading a diverse staff to protecting the health and safety of employees and students, the work of an educational leader is never done. It can be overwhelming to find solutions to the challenges facing a district, but you don't have to lead your schools alone. Kansas Board Solutions, a wholly owned subsidiary of the Kansas Association of School Boards, is here to help you find the solutions you need to support your students and staff effectively and efficiently. With a full suite of technology and insurance solutions, KBS offers an array of services to benefit your school district. We know districts continue to face a wide range of challenges as student needs change, staffing requirements evolve, district facilities age, and much more. As a wholly owned subsidiary of KASB, KBS fulfills its mission by keeping money in local schools instead of spending it on huge year-end bonuses or high-flying corporate retreats. All of this helps us achieve our goal of helping you build and run the best schools in the nation. With KBS, you are truly getting a partner in education that serves you with a purpose. Wondering what KBS offers and how you might use it? The answer is simple. 
If you're in need of a software, insurance, or resources solution, KBS should be your first call. Learn more at www.kasb.org backslash solutions.